0: Welcome to the HCC Podcast. Our mission is to nurture love for God, love for self, and love for others as the highest goal of humanity. May the following message nurture that love in your life. And remember, you're always welcome at HCC. It's a perfect church for less than perfect people. Peace. Now, I got a really important thing to share with you with regard to a cultural spot report. You might think that you can go to the news 24-7 cycle and get your cultural spot report. But the culture that I'm wanting to speak to you about is a culture that often the news cycle doesn't take into consideration. And that is what appears to be going on behind the scenes in a spiritual sense. I love that we've got some periodicals that help us do this. One is Christianity Today. It's a very good uh, article or a uh, magazine that comes out periodically, and recently they reported that COVID has resulted in dramatic decreases in something they called synchronous church commitment. Synchronous church commitment. This simply means actual in-person attendance and loyal financial support. So when I get up and talk about it, it's one thing, that's Pastor Steve. But when I get up and talk about it as in it's a global phenomenon, but particularly in the West and all manner of researchers, Barna, Christianity Today, Pew Research, all of them are reporting the very same thing. This is not an anomaly research report, and this is not a a positive trend. No one's saying this is a good thing. But an abandonment or a decrease in synchronous church commitment, meaning in person, in real time, at the moment, in the same place, this is a dramatic drop-off, and they're saying it's not a positive trend. In fact, they go as far as the deep dive into crime statistics and say that crime during the last two years... Based upon the previous two years, has increased as church, synchronous church commitment has decreased. There is a direct, significantly statistical correlation between COVID, the decrease of synchronous church commitment, and crime. They also link mental and physical health and uh, mental health and well-being and the diseases that are attached to that to decreased church engagement during this time of COVID. When they measure the markers of mental health and well-being from two years prior to COVID and the two years in COVID, they see a dramatic difference and they match it to a a drop-off, a significant drop-off in synchronous church engagement. The implication of all of that research is that attending attending church in person at the same time is a personal and social health benefit. Now go figure. Over 2,000 years ago, God said the same thing in Hebrews 10.25 when He said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Now all of this report Uh, about this negative trend of synchronous church commitment decrease, uh, they're all saying, everyone's saying, it is not naturally going to just come back or snap back after COVID is finished or is faded from the forefront of our minds and awareness. In fact, the universal reports are that soul sloth has possessed the Western church. Isn't that an interesting statement? Soul sloth has possessed the Western church, and only the churches with grit and synchronous church commitment will ultimately survive and thrive. We want to be one of those churches that continue stepping up and standing out during a time when so many churches are stepping back and sitting down. Our very own regional bishops Bishop Stanholder, who has preached for us a number of times, recently told me, I'm on the regional council of the churches in this region, and he told the whole regional council that this month he's closing four churches that did not, just in our area, just in our little area, that did not survive COVID. And he sent us a report that in the last two years, 50,000 ministers have gotten out of ministry which is a 60% increase over the previous two years. 4,000 churches in the last year in 2021 were closed. Evangelical churches were closed because of lack of synchronous church commitment. The COVID chloroform-induced soul sloth to, to step up and stand out is a danger to the very church of Jesus Christ in this day and age. So would you please join me in prayer right now right here for churches that are like-minded like ours. When I talk about that, I'm talking about Lighthouse, Severn Run, Arundel Christian, Chesapeake Christian Center. I'm talking about Bay Area, I'm talking about Grace Point. These churches around our area, right here in our world that we want to pray for that will step up and stand out in this time and that their congregations will step up in synchronous church commitment that will secure a strong presence for the Lord in our area. Would you pray with me about that? Holy Spirit, thank you for the community of churches that we have that are locked in to attempting to rally the church, to reach out to the church that has so many been anesthetized by this COVID chloroform that has brought about an asynchronous church engagement. Lord, I pray that you would revive and rally the church up out of this COVID chloroform and snap us to attention and awareness. And may us and all of these churches like us step up and stand out as lights in this new dark age. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. Now I want to speak to our online family for just one moment, and that is the gathered church is good for you. I get it why you may be home, but the gathered church is good for you. Get back in person, A-S-A-P. Now let's prepare to hear God's word. Hebrews 4.12 tells us that his word is sharper than any two-edged sword. It is living and And what that means, it is energy, it is power for your soul. So let's posture our souls to engage the powerful and living Word of God today. Would you stand with me? As is our custom, we're going to put our open hands out in front of us as a physical gesture to recognize to God that we know He gives He takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. So say this with me. God, I choose to slow my breath and relinquish my worries. I open my hands to pray. Come Holy Spirit to my mind, I receive your comfort. Come Holy Spirit to my heart, I receive your peace. Come Holy Spirit to my soul, I receive the Father's love for me. I am here to receive what you have for me today. The God who loves you says this, I am he, I am he who will sustain you, I have made you, and I will carry you. I will sustain you, and I will rescue you. This is the word of the Lord for you. God bless you, you can be seated. As we get started this morning in talking about uh, this next installment in our contentment series, I want to tell you a story to begin with. The story is this. There was this missionary, traveling missionary, in the rural area of South Africa, and this was several decades ago. So it wasn't really in in this time of super modern travel like we have now. So it was a time of more footpath travel, that kind of thing. So as the missionary was making his way between the villages that he served, he was walking along this dry riverbed and recognized that there was a disturbance in the side of the hill that he was passing by. And he was curious as I caught it because, first of all, it was a fresh Uh, you know, drop or disturbance of dirt and rock and all of that. But there was this shimmering thing going on over there. He wasn't quite sure what he was seeing. And so he kind of stopped and walked over and took a look at that particular area of the disturbance. And he was rummaging around in it, looking for that sparkling thing and and discovered it. And when he unearthed it and pulled it out, it was a large rock that was about the size of a cantaloupe. And as he looked at it and dusted it off and cleaned it a bit he recognized it was a raw diamond it was a, a cantaloupe sized raw diamond he was like oh my goodness wow this is amazing been here a long time, and said so i never seen anything like this, never even heard of anything like this. Wow, it's amazing. So he put it in his backpack, and he just kept trucking on to the village. He got to the village, and he was, you know, he's staying overnight as he moved on to the next village. He was just in transit. So he stayed with one of the elders of the church in the village, and uh, he was just having dinner. And then afterwards, they were sitting together, talking, sharing life together, that kind of thing. And the elder was telling the missionary about all the troubles he was having. All the difficulties, the stresses. His house had a leaky roof. He was struggling with consistent water supply. His kids were giving him a fit over here. He wanted to move them to a new school. He wished he had the money for this. He has a health problem with his wife, and he was struggling with a broken down uh, uh, plow. And he was just—he uh, had a farm. He had a crop problem. All these financial troubles, difficulties, stressors in his life. He was talking about, and the missionary was just listening pleasantly. And and the guy said, "I just really want you to pray for me, please, Pastor. Pray for me." me." me so the missionary prayed for him and when he got finished praying for him he said hey I I don't have to just pray for you hold on a second he went he got his backpack he came back sat down in front of the guy opened up the backpack pulled out the diamond and said here the guy took it wide-eyed staring at it couldn't believe what he was seeing he was a South African too. He really knew what it was like to get some kind of a raw diamond, like gazillions of dollars. He was holding in his hands. And he was like, and the and the missionary said, "I hope that fixes all your problems." And the guy's like, oh, oh, "Are you serious? Yes." And the missionary said, "Well, wonderful, fantastic. Prayer and answered prayer, right there." And he got up and he went in. He went back and went to sleep and. The guy went back to his bedroom, he told his wife about it, they were celebrating giddy and Gideon dancing, he wrapped it up, hid it in a very secret place, and the whole night he couldn't sleep. Could you imagine? The whole night he just couldn't sleep. He's going to pay off this bill, he's going to go get that fixed, he's going to have, put this money in the bank, he's going to go buy that, he's going to get this new thing, He was on and on and on and on, he was running, running wild in his mind. He was so excited about what God had done in answering his prayer. And then the next morning he got up to find the missionary, and the missionary was gone. The missionary already went to the other village and so it was a good ways off so the missionary was quite surprised when he found the man that showed up in the village where he went to and he said, what are you doing here? And the guy came and said, I'm here to give this back to you. And the missionary said, you're giving it back to me? I thought it fixed all your problems. And he said, oh, so did I. I thought it fixed all my problems too. Then I realized what treasure was greater was the treasure of being able to give this away so easily. That's what I want. I want what you have. And what you have is the ability to give this away so easily. That's what I want. Folks, that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about the secret of contentment. Why is it a secret? It's a secret because most people don't know how to have it or how to live it. Especially people who are raised up and born in a culture such as ours. This series on the secret of contentment is to get at the deepest part of you that God wants to get at and say that He has something for you that's greater than any lottery ticket. He has something for you that's greater than any new house or new vehicle or new place or new job or promotion. He's got something more important than any of that. And that's the contentment to live without any of it. This is the secret. Our annual memory verse, let's say this together. Come on, church. For I have learned to be content with whatever I have. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through Christ who gives me strength Our responsive mantra this year what's the secret thank you that was a little weak I got to say yes last week was better so it must be a new crowd you're unfamiliar okay pastor okay uh, congregation contentment is Christ that's what you're going to say okay pastor what's the secret yes exactly and then I say live the secret and then I also say if you want to remember it better get the shirt get the t-shirt Okay, we've got t-shirts that are available. If you want to get a t-shirt, you can go on our app, you can scroll down, you can get the t-shirt, you can go ahead and order one for yourself, and it'll be all yours. It's a store, you can get it sent to your house if you want, and you can enjoy wearing it and remembering it consistently, because every time you look up in the mirror and you see that, you're going to know you are called by God to live the secret, the secret of contentment. This is a, the fourth part of our series. We've got a couple more parts left. And in the last part, I'm going to teach you how to, in, what exercises to take part in, in order to truly engage that sense of contentment that we've been talking about, that is more secretive to so many people in our culture, especially the Western culture. But there are some impediments to contentment that we've been talking about first and before we can get to solutions or how to gain contentment we talked about these last week and if and we've got these three from last week believing lies passive faith and attachments if you're interested and you're wondering yeah those are impediments i wonder what he means by that well you weren't here last week and you didn't listen to the sermon so I've, it's there. It's, I, can't, I can't review it every week, so you've got to go back, you've got to listen to it, you've got to review it. It's just a matter of you just engaging to remember what are these impediments and how are they keeping me from contentment. Because until you address these, you're, you're not going to be able to get to the contentment that God wants you to have. So this last impediment that I want to spend the rest of this sermon on is the impediment that I'm calling hurry. 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 I think you can probably feel that. You can feel it in yourself, this sense of hurry. What is hurry? Hurry is a sin. Hurry is a sickness. A hurried lifestyle is a habit of thinking and feeling characterized by continual rushing and anxiousness. Can I get a witness? (laughs) A hurried lifestyle is a habit of thinking and feeling characterized by continual rushing and anxiousness goodness does this not describe our culture sward and zimbaro in their article in psychology today described hurry sickness as this a disease what is disease it is dis-ease a disease in which a person feels chronically short of time and so tends to perform every task faster Getting flustered when encountering any kind of delay. Yep, yeah, I, I figured there would be a lot of silence today as we talk about this from our Western culture. A disease. Hurry is a sin. Sin is anything that misses the mark of God, and if contentment is the mark of God for your life, and your life is not content, your life is characterized by this stuff right here, then you, in fact, are living a life of sin. We're, we're in brokenness. Now, and that's not condemnment and judgment. That's just me saying we're all broken, and we're all sick to some degree, and hurry is a symptom of that sickness. So, the famous, oh, I missed one. Uh, No, I didn't. The famous psychiatrist Carl Jung said, hurry is not of the devil, hurry is the devil. I love that. Can I get a witness for that? Yes. The famous psychiatrist said this, hurry is not of the devil, hurry is the devil. The number one challenge you will face in achieving contentment is time. People are just too busy to live emotionally healthy and spiritually rich vibrant lives they're just too busy you don't have the time to be spiritual because you're too busy gaining the world this is just a reality of jesus's words That when we are attempting to gain the world through hurry, through acquisition, through achievement, through building wealth, we are gaining the world, but at the same time losing touch with our sense of spirituality. You know you live a hurried life when your checkout line moves too slow. Anybody change checkout lines usually three times? You know, thank you, I got you, Nick. When you multitask in the bathroom. I don't know why we need to, but we do. When you set reminders for your reminders. When you lose sleep over your schedule. When people just won't get to the point. How many of you, when you're why did everybody look at everybody else at that time? You know, uh, everybody's looking at everybody else. When when people just how many of you are having conversations up here while you're having conversations down here? And you're like, My God, if he doesn't get to the point in a second, I'm just going to strangle that person. What is the point? <laughs> Stop talking. <laughs> you know, so we can move on and get on with it. You know, we want to quit, quit, quit. We want to move on. Oh my goodness. And when eating, working, and driving all coexist. When we're eating, we're talking on the phone, we're driving. It's just, we're texting, you know, whatever it might be. It's We're putting makeup on all at the same time. Oh my goodness. Her, I mean, all of these things are a reality to many of our lives. And so hurry, sin, sickness is these things. The Charleston Southern University School of Business conducted the Obstacles to Growth survey over 20,000 Christians across the globe uh, and identified busyness as a major distraction from the spiritual life. Listen carefully to their hypothesis follow this it may be the case that Christians are assimilating to a culture of busyness hurry and overload which leads to God becoming more marginalized in Christians lives which leads to a deteriorating relationship with God, which leads to Christians becoming even more vulnerable to adopting secular assumptions about how to live, which leads to more conformity to a culture of busyness, hurry, and overload, and then the cycle begins all over again. This is just the reality in the culture in which we live, and you're wondering, why do I feel this way? It's because you're immersed in a culture of hurry and it is a sin and it is a sickness. I love this quote. It's so, so true. Uh, Pastor Coomer is picking up on a quote from Amy Carmichael and that says, hurry and love are incompatible. All my worst moments as a father, a husband, and a pastor, even as a human being, are when I'm in a hurry, late for an appointment, behind on my unrealistic to-do list, trying to cram too much into my day. I lose anger, tension, a critical nagging, the antithesis of love. Goodness, is that not our, our personality by Wednesday? By Wednesday, is this not who we are? We just ooze a sense of tension. We ooze a sense of irritation. We're irritable, we're hostile, we're short-tempered, we're we're just ready to, we're pugnacious, we're looking for a fight because we're so worn out, we're always living on the cutting edge. And here we are, hurry in sin and sickness. So, this is a, a flashback to our previous week's this goes back to our definition of contentment. Does this describe you? A tranquil soul, full of shalom, assured of your salvation through Christ, fearing nothing from God or human, trusting God's sovereignty, content with any earthly circumstance. Some folks lately uh, that I've been talking to have been getting hung up on this fearing uh, nothing from God. What I mean by that is Romans 8.1. For those that are in Christ, they are uh, no longer under condemnation. So we fear nothing from God. God, according to Romans 5 and 6 and 7, have made us right. God has made us right with Him. We are not in fear of anything from God or human when we are content in Christ because Christ is our all and all. Does this describe you? If, if this kind of stuff describes you and this does not describe you, there is a, there is a glitch in the matrix. There is a problem. So I'm just encouraging you to know this is a reality, this is a potential, this is not a pie in the sky type idea. This is not something that Pastor Steve is waxing spiritual and he's giving us some biblical platitudes. This is a promise that you can have this. This is possible for you always. A contented and hurried life Are mutually exclusive meaning they cannot coexist they cannot exist together they are exclusive of one another you can't have one and the other a contented and hurried life are mutually exclusive you can't have both in the same life So contentment does not mean, and this is important, lots of folks will come back and push back to me about this and say, what, what do you mean, I can't go fast? I'm a fast person, I like to move fast. That's not the point. The point is not fast. The point is not moving quickly. The point is whether you can do it contented. That's the point. So that you don't move fast. No, 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 no. Contentment does not mean that you don't move fast. When I'm late for a plane, I'm moving fast. The question is whether or not I can do that without fear, without hurry, without anxiety. Can I do it like that? Contentment does not mean that you're not an entrepreneurial or ambitious. Oh no, have ambition. Yes, be entrepreneurial. Yes, have another mountain to charge. But just know that whatever happens, you're okay. It's going to be fine. Contentment does not mean that you're complacent or lazy. Oh no, not complacent, not cavalier. We've talked about all of these things. It does not mean that and that you don't plan. In fact, in the book of James, it tells us of a description of people who were content. It said they planned to go to another town and start a business. These couple guys were taken, they were going to another town, they were starting a business and then they were gonna do this, they were gonna make money, it was gonna be successful, they were gonna give it like a two-year kind of opportunity to grow. And then they said, unless... It's not the Lord's will. So all of what they were doing was based on the fact that we're trusting God. We're entrepreneurial. We're ambitious. We're making plans. We're not complacent or lazy. We're moving fast. But we are doing it unhurried, knowing that the Lord is God, he is our shepherd, he is sovereign, we are at peace. So contentment does mean while you move fast, pursue ambitions and make plans, you do so content that you trust God and live in peace. Shalom, whatever happens. So wherever you're going this week, whatever you're doing this week, doctor's offices to get reports, getting a car looked at, wondering whether or not a house situation will come through, wondering whether or not when you go into that staff meeting, this will happen or that will happen. Yes, you are fast. Yes, you pursue ambitions. Yes, you make plans. But you do so content as you trust God and live in peace. That is a contrast human being to the rest of the world. So, Matthew 6, 24, this is Jesus speaking here about this kind of balance. No one can serve two masters. You cannot serve contentment and hurry at the same time. You can't. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money or mammon. Now, let me make clear mammon. Mammon is not exclusively money. He's not talking about bills dollars you know he's not talking about amounts he's talking about anything in competition for god's priority in your life anything mammon is anything so you cannot serve god and your children this is a challenge for us you cannot serve god and be enslaved to your work you cannot serve God and be enslaved to your sports. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to your household chores or to your own pet interest, your own hobbies. Could be wealth, could be status, could be children, could be family. But children, family, they're good things, yes. But if they're above God, if they compete with God for status and influence in your life, You're going to serve one and not the other. Matthew 6, 25, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to Him than they are? Can all your worries Add a single moment to your life. So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? Where will we work? What car will we drive? What house will we live in? What are our retirement look like? What, what, how are we doing with regard to our health reports? Or, you know, when we worry about all these things and they are consuming us, These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, and we as believers look just like, act just like, live just like unbelievers. So what difference has Christ made in your life? As Christ doesn't make a difference here, he doesn't make a difference anywhere. Just saying, I got my card to heaven, I punched my card, I got it. When I show up, I'll give him my ticket. But right now I'm a train wreck of anxiety, fear, and worry. Oh no, 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 that's not the point. The point isn't just to get to heaven. The point is to live more heavenly here. And you can by living a life of contentment. But your heavenly father already knows all you need. So seek first the kingdom of God above all else, above all else, above family, above children, above work, above money, above status, above health, above everything. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Would you say so? My goodness hurry is learned you ever met a jamaican (laughs) it was hurry and worried i've been in jamaica a few different times i never met one that was anxious and worried so you unplug you worried american you plug in a jamaican to the very same context and they're like hey no problem no worries man no problem man." you plug us in we're freaking out our culture has conditioned us to live hurried worried lives You're wondering how you got here. You got here because you were born here. And this world raised you. It's a reality. Hurry is motivated by fear of losing our attachments. You don't know what attachments are? Go back to last week's sermon. I talked to you about what attachments are. That's the essence of worry, fear of losing our attachments. If you're attached to the things of this earth, then the things of this earth will be the things that you were so worried about. And you'll never be content because you'll always be afraid of losing them. But if you fix your eyes on Jesus, you're seeking first his kingdom, then your eyes are fixed on something else, not on this world. And you're beyond your attachments. You're free from your attachments. And then you can truly love. Because as long as you're fearing losing those attachments, you can't love those attachments. When you fear losing your spouse, you fear losing your children, you're always racked with anxiety. You can't love them freely. But when you release them to God and you trust the creatures to the creator, and you're free to love without fear and worry. Contentment is achieved by unlearning. You won't get lucky with contentment it takes unlearning the ways of the world and relearning the way of Jesus. That's how Acts indicates the way of the life of a Christian is the way of Jesus. Philippians 4:11b for I have learned. Manthano, I have learned. It's a Greek word for learned. How to be content with whatever I have. It is a learned experience. It doesn't come natural. You're not going to get lucky with it. Manthano. The greek word the active pursuit of knowledge intended for practice how many times have you heard someone say well they're they're head smart they're book smart but they got no common sense yeah right this is what that's talking about that's not that Mantano is that you have the head smarts the book smarts and it translates into action and energy and life and practice it's not just a bunch of uh, you know, learning biblical knowledge up here that's really interesting and curious, but it's actually working it out in your life, living it, producing results in your life, making it real in your everyday walking around life. That is Monthano, and that's what Paul said he learned. If you are going to learn contentment, you will have to unlearn hurry. Okay, good luck with that. Jesus says this in Matthew 11. I love this sentence. I love this sentence. I'm telling you, this is where we're wrapping up. We're wrapping up right here. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Let me stop on religion just a moment. That doesn't mean Catholic or Methodist or Baptist or Pentecostal. What religion means is any work work performance-based engagement. Any works or performance-based engagement, anything that you're doing, you're anxiously doing to measure up and get something, you're always working hard to please and get something, you're anxious, you're fearful, you might lose it, you might not get it, that's religion. So whether your religion is work, whether your religion is sex, whether your religion is money, whether your religion is family, whatever your religion is, if you're always anxious about it and it's a workspace, performance space, something's not going right, they're not doing what I want, and you're constantly in this cycle of fear and anxiety and irritability and misery, you're not content. And he's saying, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on all that performance-based living? Come to me. Come to me. Get away with me. Does that not sound like he's saying, let's go on vacation. Let's go camping together. Goodness. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. So beautiful. Be with me and that being with me is working with me. Watch how I do it. Learn, Montano, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll Montano. You'll Montano. You won't only just intellectually grasp it. You'll actually live it. You'll live freely and lightly. Do you want to live freely and lightly? I do. The secret is in contentment.